and welcome again to the quarantine edition of Foul Players Radio. My name is Michael Spedden, and tonight we have Mitta Goodwin. Mitta has been in the entertainment business for a long time, and he's been kind of a jack of all trades. He's done lots of things. Uh, he's put music in movies. He has written a column for a Modesto entertainment paper. Not only that, he's been a concert promoter. Uh, he's also promoted conventions, you know, putting together conventions for fan fests and comic-cons and all those kinds of things he also hosts a couple of radio shows and he really gives us a unique perspective because of the side of the business he's been on his entire career so please welcome to the show tonight Mitta Goodwin and we want to thank again Steve Joyner for his help in putting this show together and introducing me to Mitta not too long ago so we will have Mitta Goodwin right after these words Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris Ristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. I'm Michael, the host of the semi-monthly podcast in a city like yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at IACLYS Podcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours Podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think. And keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours. Hey, this is Don Smith from the Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into the Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at www.su1069.org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts and like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans. Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Hello, listeners. I've got some great news from one of our former guests. Barbara Bustard has just released a book called The Art of Healing, 12 Step-by-Step Meditative Art Exercises for Improved Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Well-Being. Miss Bustard bears her soul and shows us who she is through her stories and exercises. This is a book to be felt and experienced, an artist's work. Art is a way to work through all that life gives us, whether it is happy, sad, or anything in between. Art is a creative, safe, healing, and everything special place. It is the place to work through the stress that underlies all disease. 
In her book, The Art of Healing, 12 Step-by-Step Meditative Art Exercises for Improved Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Well-Being, Ms. Buster describes the process to make healing happen. The meditative exercises in this book are described in a very simple, clearly articulated manner. They are appropriate for any level of artistic experience. Just reading this book, Ms. Buster's exercises touch you at a feeling level. You are moved from your thinking analytical brain to creative expression. It is available now on Amazon for $29, and it's gotten many positive reviews from readers so far, so pick up your copy today. Her website is artforbodymindandsoul.com. Also remember, the holidays are just around the corner. We all love to support our local small businesses and artists. Make sure you get your copy today. It makes a great gift. Foul Players Radio is now a proud affiliate of the SJ Network. If you're a performer, an actor, musician, filmmaker, author, you name it, in need of a good publicist, call Steve Joyner, 816-605-4561, or you can email him at stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. He has many years of experience in the entertainment business. He's competent, confident, and takes great care of his clients. He would be the publicist for you. Call Steve at 816-605-4561 or stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. So, Mina, it's nice to meet you here on Foul Players Radio. Uh, great to have you join us this evening. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, it looks like you're into just about everything here. I've had a couple of guests that, you know, you name it, they do it. And um, that kind of sounds like the same with you. I mean, you promote events and concerts, and you've also been involved in, you know, the making of some movies with putting music and soundtracks in and everything. And um, so it sounds like you're the kind of guy who's just got all kinds of stories and all kinds of interesting things you've done in your career. So uh, where should we start? I guess um, one thing that I'm kind of interested in is um, being a musician myself. I've had a lot of friends of mine, you know, since I've gotten into doing some TV and um, movies and that kind of thing um, as an actor, they asked me, well, who do we submit music to to get it into a movie, or how do you get music into a movie? And I was just wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, I do things differently Mm -hmm. uh, than some people might. Uh, When I've done music supervising on a film or any program, I usually... You know, definitely talk to the director, the the writer, anybody who's involved in it to, to a depth mm-hmm. and see what their vision is. Right. Because right. ultimately, when it's all said and done, you're working for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're helping them create their vision. Sure. So then you, you get a list of, you know, wish songs or, you know, concepts, and you mm-hmm. go for what is best. Okay. So if somebody wants a hip hop, you know, kind of sounding album, you don't get them heavy metal. Sure, sure. So you know, you have that that basis to begin with, and then I reach out to those I've worked with, mm-hmm. but I also put it out on social media and put put the word out that I'm looking for things because you never know who might be interested. And so that's definitely a thing is when you see something, keep your eyes open because you might miss out on something if you just gloss over it right right. Uh, i've had people come up with like i've sent them emails and they just kind of oh yeah i saw that i i, I didn't really pay attention i'm like sorry it's over now you know, <laughs> that that project's gone i know, uh, it, I know. It, it's in the can so that's definitely one of those things you want to 
be on it. You want to be ready to, to pounce when those opportunities do come up. When somebody asks for something, get back to them right away. Oh yeah, I, I make sure. There are, I... <laughs> there are there are definitely services that you can you know submit to online and different things. Those you you might get on certain things, mm-hmm. but definitely I think for me my thing is definitely more hands on. I'm out there looking for something that fits the scene mm-hmm. and the mood and the movement. Yeah. Now where do you? Whereas, uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, so you draw them. I mean, you draw them. Do you? I mean, so you're saying you kind of ask people for submissions, or do you um, just listen around at things and approach the artist when you hear something you like? Or do you look a little bit of both? A little yeah, bit of both. Okay. I mean, definitely, I go through and and you know, if if the film is ready to kind of place, mm-hmm. and, and and with any any director, it's going to be a little bit different. I've had ones where it's done and they just need music to, to and they're they're ready to uh, to listen and do it themselves. Okay. So I'm just getting things by artists that are willing to be part of the production. Okay. Then there's up the the last one I did was a film called The Ranger a few years ago. It came out mm-hmm. and worked much closer with the producer and the director. And I watched the movie before it was complete all the way through once with the audio and everything so I had the story and then I just went through and listened to the music in different spots that I thought would work and I'd made notations oh, you know? okay. so uh, you know I did a little track listing went, okay I think this would work here it goes with the movement it goes with the motion most of that was uh, pretty much made it in the film there was a few things that I suggested that didn't quite make it. There was a, uh, one song that I thought would be great for the near the ending of the album or the, uh, the movie. The director liked the, the artist but wanted to hear other songs and then picked a different song. So the artist still got on there, but uh, the one song I thought would, was perfect. She liked it, liked it enough to delve deeper into the artist. Just that wasn't the song that she wanted in that spot. She didn't feel it, uh, feel it as much as I did. Interesting, interesting. And that's always going to be the case. And uh, no, no uh, sweat off me. I'm like, it's your vision. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, you know, uh, in any way. If, if they like something or doesn't like something, that's that's not my job. In that, it's not my purpose. My purpose is to pretty much facilitate. Sure, sure, sure. Um, there's a not even know what the name is, but there's a kind of a reality car TV show that's being filmed here in Modesto. And I've helped with some of the music on that and got a local band to record four songs, be like bumper music and a theme song. Oh, okay. And, and that one was kind of neat. I was in the studio for that one. And so, you know, being Modesto, uh, home of American graffiti and all that, mm-hmm. we have one, which is, one of the songs, which I think is going to be the soundtrack or, you know, the, the title song, very born to be wild, you know, kind of sounding. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, right, right. Just good driving music. Uh, then there's uh, four instrumentals. One's kind of a doo-wop-y, mm-hmm. uh, 50s kind of sounding song. Another's kind of a surf boogie. Another's kind of a bluesy, very ZZ toppy kind of thing. Sure. So those kind of things. So depending on what is needed, there'll be some music that kind of flows into it. So, Hey, we're looking at some 1950s cars. Right. Right. It's the right. more 50. So, Hey, it's 
more rock in the 60s. It's kind of surfy. We got some buggies here or whatever. So music that will kind of fit motifs as it goes along, but all have a unifying kind of factor because it's the same band. Right, right, right. Wow. wow. I guess you know, there's lots of different ways people go about getting music and things for... Um... Oh, for sure. And it all depends on budget. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a yeah. big factor. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I've done has been with, you know, little to no budget. Mm-hmm. And I kind of enjoy that just because it's a challenge. Yeah. And I'm doing the music promotion side of things. I've worked with a lot of struggling mm-hmm. original artists that it's a good opportunity for them uh, to not only network, but be showcased in something outside of the music they do. Okay. Uh, speaking of the Ranger, it, there was a song. Um, uh, the days are being, I think it was called The Days Are Getting uh, Longer, The Nights Are Getting sh- uh, Shorter or something like that. But uh, this, the song had been out for a while. You know, recorded a country song recorded in the 70s. Unfortunately, the artist had passed away, but I found the family and got approval to use it. Mm-hmm. It ended up becoming a hit again because of the music, the movie. They used it uh, in one of the trailers. And so that was kind of neat. Uh, you know, I get this message from the co-writer and he's sending me this thing. He's like, I, I just got a, a report that the song's number two or number one on the station in New York. I'm like, what? Oh. He's like, but I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I'm only assuming, I'm only assuming it probably popped up because somebody's either Shazam in it or doing something <laughs> because they used it in the, the trailer or one of the trailers. And mm-hmm. he's like, wow, wow, it's great. So they were, you know, very excited about that. It really pretty much was, unfortunately, had gone away. It wasn't, you know, wasn't in production anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album had pretty much been shelved. Like the artist was no longer with us. And now when it's getting new life and definitely the family was very excited about hearing their, you know, the, the sons who I talked to or the grandson, his grandfather's song is now being played on the radio again. Yeah. And you know, that legacy is kind of being reborn. So that was nice. And they were just super thrilled to be part of a project. Uh, I don't know if when it was all said and done that, especially the, the older members of the family, because it was a horror film, Mm -hmm. how much they enjoyed it, but they definitely, I think, enjoyed the fact that somebody wanted their family's music that much that they tracked them down. Sure, sure. And it was a song that the director had liked. Mm -hmm. And so it became my job to find who who could authorize the use of it. Wonderful. Wow. And that was that was a rabbit hole, you know. Uh, There's two songs that she picked before I came onto it and both of those I had to go down the rabbit hole to find uh, <laughs> those involved because it'd been so many years and it was, you know, some earlier, like mid, mid to early seventies country songs. It kind of went in, but rest was more, more or less punk rock and heavy rock. Mm-hmm. And that was different because usually you have a star, you know who you're talking to, not, Oh, I have this song. I want to use it. Well, who's a, you know, you always buy this. What do you have? The, uh, Oh no, I don't have any of that information. Hmm. Oh, you don't you don't have the uh, publisher information. You don't have the person who's been licensed. That okay, okay. Hmm. But uh, when it was all said and done, it, it got done, and I think it definitely added to the film. And that I was excited about that one because also it came out on a vinyl release. Oh, so, oh. Uh, the 
soundtrack. There's a single LP and a double LP that has the soundtrack and the score, and then it's just a single LP with the soundtrack. Oh, okay, okay. So, huh? That must uh, have been that a, was exciting. That must have been a fun rabbit hole to you know go down and look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it too, um, and not like I said, not what you want to be doing if you if you can help it, but mm-hmm. it happens sometimes, you know. Right. And like I said, it's the job is to accommodate the director and their vision. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, a, a friend of mine, a former guest on the show, won a couple of Emmys for uh, doing music for a soap opera a number of years ago. Um, but what it was, ha- it was him and a number of uh, composers, and what they would do would just come up with, I guess you know, several second, I guess thirty to sixty second passages, um, something that sounds gloomy, something that sounds scary, something that sounds exactly, and, and that, that's that's what we did with. The, this car show that's coming out is pretty much, I mean, the same kind of concept was, hey, we got a band in, and here are songs that kind of have these feelings. Oh, okay. Uh, for era-wise, and definitely when you're doing uh, that kind of thing, it's, yeah, you're, you're doing mood music, you're doing bumper, mm-hmm. and you might end up doing a theme song or something, but a lot of it is just, like you said, real quick to, to kind of passage from one scene to the next or just to play in the background. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about uh, Stranger Things, the 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 guy who did the compositions on all all those films. A lot of it is just mood music. It is, you know, just kind of setting that mood, and that's a whole different thing. I don't do that um, per se. You know, it's like that's somebody else. That's a somebody doing composition and scoring. Right, right, right. Huh. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah. I did know somebody else, another guest who actually did you know score films as well. And that's that's a job right there. I could just imagine. Oh, for sure. You know. And it changes. That's one of those things where, because you have that initial concept of what they're looking for, and so you got to work on it. Mm-hmm. But when it's added it down and uh, everything, you know, we've shot it, we've, now we've edited, and now the spacing, and then sometimes it changes. Mm-hmm. And you've written something that goes along with it, and then they change the page, or they edit it again. And it doesn't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to go and do something else. And so that you got to be much more on your feet to make it work. Sure. Sure. Um, interesting. Interesting. It's like, sometimes I, I just sit around and think about what that whole process is like here. And it seems like it's just so many varied ways that it can be done. Now, I, I know that you've also done a lot of concert promotion over the years, um, about, 30, about 30 years worth. Wow. I'll tell you, you sound, yeah, it's, uh, we, we've got a veteran here. Uh, we got somebody, um, I could, I could just imagine, uh, I mean, I guess you probably have it down to a science now, how to put something together and how to promote it and everything. Um, you know, uh, just tell us about this process of doing it, you know, um, I'm, I'm and now, now it's totally different. I mean, yeah. with COVID and all this stuff, yeah, uh, I just, wrote a, an article about the playbook has been thrown out. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have a playbook anymore. The rules are, are out the window. So you have to think differently on everything, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, obviously now the gathering place and big, big crowds is no more. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing on those factors? And it's, you got to think outside of that. Mm-hmm. And with any event, there is, a definite playbook that you can kind of go with. Mm-hmm. Once you've done it a while, you, you book the acts, 
you know, find the local support. Mm-hmm. You make sure you have the sound and lights and all those things that you need to. And I, I tell people it's like a good event, regardless of what it is, like a store. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's level, it's a good event. It doesn't have to be a six foot tall stool. Uh, it doesn't have to be the biggest stool in the world. It just needs to be level. Right, right. And each, you know, the three levels on the stool, one is the talent. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, those for the cons as well. Uh, if you have good talent, good, good entertainment, people come to it. Mm-hmm. If people are going to it, then, of course, you can afford the good talent and the entertainment is happy and everything. And then you need to be able to get the word out. If you don't have a good promotion in, in line, then people don't know about it, so they don't come out. It doesn't matter how good the talent is. So, you know, if the talent's not good, the people stop. They won't keep coming out. Right. So right. you have to have a, a good level of that. Mm-hmm. And what you're charging, you know, kind of based on what it is. I always try to uh, overpromise or, or, or uh, underpromise, overdeliver. Mm-hmm. And give a value, you know, give a good value to whatever it is. So, uh, like the graffiti con, mm-hmm. it's five dollars to get in. Keep it inexpensive, and people come out. Right, right. And and you know, part of that is I keep the the cost of the vendor spots reasonable, so mm-hmm. they're not paying a ton of money, and people are in the door with a little bit more money in their pocket. So it's not twenty, thirty, forty bucks like some of these events. People come in and. They can spend some money, a little extra money with the vendors, with the guests. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, everybody's making a little money. You know, I've, I've seen events where before the doors are open, the promoter is walking away with a bundle. He's, he's one. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even need to sell a ticket. Right. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes that just will fail because in the long game, as long as, you know, as long as the talent and everything else is quality enough where it will bring those people out, you can get away with it. But at a certain point, mm-hmm. you're you're promising more than what the value is. And people just, uh, if they see it and they come out, they'll talk. And nowadays, especially nowadays with the internet, mm-hmm. it doesn't take any time at all for a bad experience to put something under. Oh, you better believe it. You better believe and it. And it, it doesn't matter what, I mean, with a podcast you you have podcasters and they go off and you know say the wrong thing it can be the you know the worst thing and just the death of them and that can be for an event or anything so like with a concert you know back in the day it was always you know there's there definitely here in especially california there's a ton of bands so finding a band to perform any weekend was not trouble right right and then you have the touring acts so you know, at this point, I'm getting the calls. You know, I'm getting the emails. Hey, we got so-and-so coming through. When I started, it's I'm calling people and begging them to come play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm convincing them that I'm going to be able to do what I want to do and that it's going to be a good time and everybody's going to have fun and they're going to get paid mm-hmm. and whatnot. Then it gets to that point where you got the reputation. People know who you are. And as long as you have a room to fit the people in, and that sometimes is the downfall is not having the right room. Right, right. So you don't want to put somebody, you know, I mean, once again, a sellout is a sellout. I don't care if you have a room that's 100 people, you know, if you have, you know, 100 people, they're great. 
Mm-hmm. You got a room that's 500 people and you got 100 people in there. Mm. You're at 20%. Yep. It, it, you know, great concert in one room, it's empty in the other. And so that's a big thing is the right spot. And definitely music, you know, you don't put a heavy metal band in a cafe or a <laughs> bookstore. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, and I've seen people try to do that and it's like, you know, it, it really needs to fit the the mold uh, with with inter- live entertainment. Right, right. You know, you don't you don't play baseball on a football field. You know, it's like just doesn't work. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, you know, so this is you know, this just sounds like a whole process. I mean, you know, no matter what you've got coming, you got to find the right venue for them. You've got to find, you know, and, and then, you know, once the venue's booked, then you got to get the light man, the sound man. You got to make sure exactly. the is booked. All, all the ducks need to be in a row. Oh, and boy. you got to make sure, take, you know, you get the word out. And uh, some people, I'm, I'm still old school where I make flyers. I make, hand, you know, uh, with graffiti come back to that, you know, that's something I've been doing last year. I make probably 15,000 flyers and pass them out. Right, right, right. Drop them off at places, you know, mm-hmm. comic shops, uh, go to other conventions and give them out to vendors. Mm-hmm. And you got to get the word out. And same thing with a concert. You have to get the word out. And the best way is, I think still, is handing them that flyer. Yeah, interesting. And then they, you know, regardless of it, me giving it, if it's a fan member giving it, 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 you know, but they get it and one, it's tangible. And two, they if they have questions, they can ask. Right, right. I so w- you have that immediate interaction. I can post something on Facebook, and we all know, hey, you got 5,000, 10,000, 30,000 followers, and you post something, and you get four likes on it. You're like, how do I have three, 4,000 followers on this page mm-hmm. and four likes on a post? Right, right, right. Because they just don't see it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and I I agree with you a lot on that because I was in hair bands back in the eighties on the East Coast, and the way we used to go about things was, you know, we would go out on the weekends if we didn't have our own shows, and we would go to these venues where we played, and we would actually have flyers made that we would hand, we would put them in somebody's hand, exactly, and we would talk to them, and we would be talking to, them. we would put the flyer in their hand, we would talk to them. We'd post them up in the bathroom, or you know, we would always have <laughs> we would always have a stack of flyers and a roll of masking tape with us. Exactly, and, and, a and, on, and you know that did the job. It did. You got out there and you interacted, mm-hmm. and when those people came and went, "Oh, dude, yes, I met you at such and such show." Mm-hmm. There was that immediate connection. Oh, yeah, that was a great show, and there was that connection. Yep. Now. It's interesting to me that you still do that, and it's effective because, um, you know, and maybe it's just the market. Maybe it's just that you know Baltimore, you know, Baltimore DC area is a lot smaller of a music scene than you know, I guess, parts of California where you are. But um, I played until about '94, and then at that point, I was making no money. I didn't have anything under my belt really, so I stopped to be able to get myself a house, a degree you know, jobs, you know, established in the company. And then I came back to it like in 05. Okay. And I kind of felt like Rip Van Winkle waking up um, because I went out and I started playing again. And we put together instead of a full band, an acoustic duo. And I went out and made flyers like I did, 
in the 80s and 90s. And I went out to some places that we got booked, and I came in and started handing people flyers. And instead of like back in the you know back in the eighties, was like, "Hey, cool, all right, I'll, I'll check you guys out. This looks great, you know." Or, "Hey, yeah, have a good show." You walk up to people and you hand it to them, and, they, and like they just look at it and they're like, "What's this?" And that's because people stopped doing it. Yeah, they got lazy yeah. and went, "Oh, I'm on." Friendster, I'm on Facebook, I'm on MySpace, mm-hmm. and they just would make an online flyer, throw it out there, and hope for the best. Right, right. And at one point, it worked. You know, those mediums you could throw, and I'm, I still post stuff on, you know, Twitter and Instagram and, you know, Facebook. I throw posts up there. Right. You got to do it. But you really have to still do that interaction. And even those, you have to target them. You know, you have to make sure that you're getting those people that are your audience. Right. It's, it's, you know, with, with, uh, flyering, I think it's, it's now become more of a a shotgun where you just, a lot of them Mm -hmm. where before it used to be a little bit more sniper. You went up and you saw somebody, you said you were in a metal band, you see somebody and, you know, they're, they got that one added here up a little bit and (laughs) they're wearing the, 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 you know, leopard bandana or something. You all right. They're, they're our demographic. You hand them a flyer and you talk to them and mm-hmm. you interact. Right. That person, right. there, boom. You're not just go, you're not going to a punk show and just leaving a bunch of flyers. Right, right. And right. you go, okay, this is the show we go to. This is the show. Okay, here's where we're going to. Here's here's the spot where they hang out at. Blah blah. blah and you you interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a lost art. And I think when all this comes back, hopefully people will still you know get back into it because. It, it is important. Those who do it, and, and definitely at a certain age, you know, you're that, you know, if you go up and like, oh, who are you? They, you know, it's, they don't know who you are. And there's that weird kind of sense. It's like, well, what's going on here? And since mm-hmm. there's not the um, history for these kids or, you know, young adults mm-hmm. of a flyer, there's that kind of distrust a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gaining that back, you know. Right. When we were all young, mm-hmm. you know, even if you didn't know him, you're just, hey, you're that hip guy just like them. And like, hey, come out, check this out, check my band out, check this event out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have set the flyers double-sided so I'd be promoting four shows and I'd have them in my pockets. Right, and right, right. be flipping them out and giving out, you know, like I'm a gunslinger, ching, 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 you know, mm-hmm. at event. Yep. Yeah, I, I, you know, I did find it effective for promoting my murder mystery company um, last year. Um, I would go around to the areas where um, the venues were, where they would have first Fridays. Uh, that's a kind of a thing they do. Or I don't know if you have like if I'm sure people have. Yeah, first yeah, yeah. Friday. We, we yeah. have uh, something like that out here, and then uh, I also do music in the plaza. So I'd fly over from music in the plaza, yeah. and before I took over that, they weren't doing. You know, they would have. Uh, scheduled on a, on a flyer maybe or it was just a generic poster saying this was happening every you know Friday right right I went you know, we're, we're putting the bands that down we're giving them a schedule of what's going out for the next six months and you know we're getting these into the hands and yeah, yeah. it's increased the number or did increase the number quite a bit right right uh, from what it used to be and you know it was because people have it and they go so and so's playing that and they like like I said, they put it on the refrigerator and they go, oh, uh, this band or that band is playing. <laughs> and they could go, oh, I wanted to go see them. Mm-hmm. And it's not, uh, you know, 
Uh, I'm not sure who's playing tonight. It's always cool, but you know, I think I'll pass because I'm just not feeling better. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a band you want to see mm-hmm. and like, Oh, I got to go out because you know, uh, triple D is playing, or, you know, third party or jet red or whoever is playing. <laughs> and like, Oh, I got to go. Cause that's, you know, that band, I, I know those guys they are great. You know, who's box by band or a great, you know, Zydeco band. I got to go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, and then we... you just get the, the regular people come out every Friday mm-hmm. because it's what it is, but you don't increase to that next number unless you're bringing the audience for that band or that mm-hmm. event. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, one thing that we used to do too was um, we, we would, you know, with the flyers, there was kind of an art to it because we would try to make them catchy looking, or you know, to catch people's attention. And yeah. um, we made some of the most outrageous flyers. My band did. As a matter of fact, as an aside, maybe I'll just email you a couple of them to check them out from thirty years ago. I found a bunch of them and scanned them. And um, if you want, I don't know, but uh, sure, sure. <laughs> But, you know, we used to go around and people would actually collect our flyers because there was always... Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think I, that's a lot of people, I mean, and you you have artists who have become much more because of it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Petty Bomb or, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, did a lot of the Metallica stuff. Um, Cushead or mm-hmm. Kozik, who did flyers and then did, yes. became... became notable artists you oh, know, yeah. like more than just folk artists mm-hmm. and that all of those guys came from doing flyers right right i had some i used to have some kozik pieces um yeah 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 he was and, and you think about it you know he, he went from doing just black and white to doing the screen prints mm-hmm. and those were amazing i had a couple myself mm-hmm. and then he's doing quote-unquote fine art right and right. that's the same way he did you know went from doing flyers to doing uh posters and skateboard decks and all that mm-hmm. and it's really kind of neat when you go that route and you see the progression of some of these artists and we all have them and you know all over the u.s depending on where they're at there's that guy who is the artist there's a guy in stockton mm-hmm. who does amazing you know portraits now right. but he was started out as a kid doing flyers for people yeah. he was that art kid mm-hmm. kozik made some sick posters man i used to oh yeah oh yeah amazing stuff yeah and and so the, there is an art to the, the flyer, the art to the, mm-hmm. the poster, and definitely you don't want to make it just, eh, here's, here's block letters that you did on your, you know, in publisher or something. It has to stand out. Oh, yeah. And yeah. You want people to go, wow, look at that. Mm-hmm. I did an event called the Kazis, and after the first year, the winners from the first year, all different cosplayers with the different groups, we had our artists to representations of them. They mm-hmm. cartoonized them. So after that, the the next flyer, of course, those winners, the winners from the previous year, were super stoked and they promoted more than we did. Mm-hmm. They were now on a flyer. Their right. images were on this, you know, were turned into art, into a cartoon and mm-hmm. they would spread it far and wide and go, can I get some of those? I want to hand them out to my friend. Blah, blah. A lot of times they'd come out again the next year and compete or whatever, but that was part of winning the event almost was more exciting than getting the trophy or whatever was you were going to be on the next flyer. Right, right, right. You know, and they always turned out great. And of course you have these different people and their characters that they're, they're dressed up. So it was always helpful and amazing what my friends who are artists would come up with. 
but it definitely was that concept. I was like, it makes sense to do this. One, you're giving a, a bonus to the winners, mm-hmm. but I knew, I knew when I came up with the idea, they are going to share it. Right. Those people who won and are now on this, you know, part of the next art mm-hmm. are going to hand these out to everybody. They're going to, they're going to share them on their social media mm-hmm. because that's, that's it. Look at me. You know, I'm, I'm a cartoon now. I'm a comic character. <laughs> right. And I got <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I stepped on you. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, they, they got super excited about it. And that is something you want people to be excited. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we've all played with bands that don't even care if they were, you know, that they were on the bill mm-hmm. and that's terrible. Oh, yep. <laughs> you know, um, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, you know, w- one thing I was going to say, you, know, you had started talking a bit about your cons, and um, you, you know, I've got to say, I've, I've seen a number of these on TV, and I've been, you know, to uh, one or two of them. And I got to say, these fans that go to these cons have got to be the most dedicated people that I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mean, not only are they, I mean, I, I would be, you know, I mean, if I ever had if I ever got to the point where I had fans lined up for me like they do, I mean, th- these actors and these people from, you know, these television shows have got to be really touched by that. The way I think a lot of, I think a lot of the ones I've worked with are, yeah. um, I'm not, I'm going after the A-listers. I, right, you know, that's right. not my thing. Uh, I'm 53 now. And the very first event I did, my whole thought was who do I want to, you know, who would I want to see? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I do. So it's like, I go after these people that, you know, I grew up with. Right. Or right. did things. And, and so it's a different concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not this this year because it didn't happen. But last year, uh, uh, you know, Gottlieb, who, who was the writer for Jaws, mm-hmm. you know, and, and directed Jaws 3. And Sandy Helberg uh, was there. And Sandy Sandy's great because... And it was his first con, I think, but he was in Spaceballs. He was in Hollywood Nights. He was in, yeah. he's, I think, the in Mel Brooks movies, alive still, mm-hmm. he's been in more Mel Brooks movies than any other actor or right. actress. Right. And so that was for me, I was like, oh, he was in Spinal Tap. And I love Spinal Tap. So I was like, <laughs> oh, yes. you'll come up here and do this, you know, for, for that. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So it was that part of it. Uh, I've been trying to get James Hong to come out, who was, uh, uh, you oh, know, know, and Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. and you know, all these. Other, I mean, he's been in five hundred different productions. Oh yeah, yeah. There was talk about. Um, I, I thought I saw an article or something about him getting his star on the Hollywood. Oh, they've wall. been pushing him yeah. for the last few years, yeah. and he should get one. I, I um, agree. I agree. He I, he's been in everything. You know, he's from what I hear, super nice guy. Mm-hmm. And part of the time he lives up here. So yeah. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. if, if we can get him when he's up here, even better. But mm-hmm. if not, I'd still love to get him. And that was the very first one. I was like, that's the kind of guy, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, because I grew up watching those. Oh, and yeah. that's yeah. where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need a superstar. And I don't want one. I'm not, you know, I'm not charging five, five bucks to get mm-hmm. for people to get in if I'm getting. Uh, somebody from the Avenger franchise or mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, you have to charge a lot more because you're spending a lot more on the talent. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. It, it's a duality with it. It's, as a fan, the people who come in, they're so excited because they don't get to see those 
you know, these certain actors or individuals because they're not invited uh-huh. to right. bigger cons. And so it's a duality with it. The people who do come out are so thrilled and they, they treat them, you know, as they should be. I mean, all, all talent should be treated equally. I don't care if you're the headliner or your opening act. Uh-huh. If the person doing the event coming out, they should treat you with respect and, and dignity because it's just what it is. You know, you're a guest. You're, 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 you're not, you know, like I said, that's part of that, that stool. If, if, mm-hmm. if everybody is treated well from the fans to, to the artists, to mm-hmm. people working it, it makes a better event. Oh, it and does. everybody nice. remembers and they, it will grow. Mm-hmm. It will get better. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing I do. And it's kind of like with, with, uh, music. We've all seen that band that, mm-hmm. you know, at one time might've been superstars yep. and we see them at a dive bar or something. And if you're lucky enough to see your favorite band that you've seen in an arena playing a 300 capacity club and mm-hmm. that band puts it out there like they should yep. put that energy in and, and the force behind it. And quite often they do. We have seen, I've all, you know, if you've gone to a lot of concerts, I have, we've yep. all seen bands just kind of phone it in. Mm-hmm. But when they don't, when they get up there playing like they're in front of an arena, it is magical, especially when it's in a small room. Yes. That yes. energy. And then you get to meet them afterwards. Mm-hmm. You get to interact with them. Right, right. You know, nothing better than that. Yep. A couple of acts that I've seen um, in the last couple of years, I've been kind of, um, 2016 was a horrible year for my idols in entertainment. Cause it seemed like everybody was dying every week. A new person that I idolized growing up was gone. You know, you just see the news. I was just waiting yeah. for the next shoot to shoot a drop. So I started, I said, you know what? Damn it. You know, so like in 2017, I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start seeing some of these bands because it dawned on me, you know, the guys I idolized growing up and I'm in your age group, I'm 51. The guys I idolized growing up, they're starting to get in their seventies, you know, exactly. exactly. And, you know, so I just started a bucket list, and I saw Blue Oyster Cult. And I, I've seen Cheap Trick a million times over the years, but I saw them again. I saw Judas Priest. I saw Saxon. You know, I'm, I'm more of a headbanger, but um, yeah, I went out and saw all these. And, and I, I've seen know. Judas. I, I've seen Judas Priest and, and Blue Oyster Cult. And yep. Cheap Trick as well. Amazing bands. Oh, they are. They uh, are. And they didn't phone it in. I tell you, they still. I mean, you know, they're still out there. They're playing hard. You know. Um, some of them also have, you know, younger bandmates now because some oh, people yeah, have passed sure, away. Sure. But uh, amazing, sometimes you see these bands and the kids that are, you know, quote unquote, kids. Yeah, they're there with their have, parents. They, they don't even have the same energy as uh, the classic players. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've seen a few and I'm like, going, mm-hmm. man, you're playing with a bunch of, you know, 20-something, early 30s, mm-hmm. and you blow them off the stage. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And... um yeah, you know, and I haven't seen. I mean, I unfortunately I have seen some people go to shows where some people just don't have it anymore. Um, you know, vocally things have gone awry, or, or their voices have just aged so much where they really can't do it anymore. But um, yeah, the voice, the voice is a hard one. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. that's one, and, and especially like you said with metal bands, a lot of mm-hmm. you got the guy who has either that growl mm-hmm. that you know they don't have anymore, or that high higher octave. Mm-hmm. And they're not there. And sometimes they try, 
and yep. it just isn't there. I'd rather see them drop the octave down to mm-hmm. the range they can hit yep. and go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, you know, it's like there is that feeling of this, I got to do it. This is what it is. And this is how we wrote it. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, you know, as some, you know, if you were at a cover band and you couldn't hit those notes, mm-hmm. you'd drop it down if you wanted to play it. You'd right. drop into the octave you could sing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. people understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, honestly, a lot, a lot of people don't even notice and as long as it it's, sounds right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the you thing. Know, and, you know, they do notice if you're not hitting those notes and you're trying mm-hmm. too much and you crack. Uh, and so that's one of those things. And I, I mean, I, I appreciate the, the, the college try, but mm-hmm. sometimes it is more important to just bring it into what you can do. Yep. I actually saw, and same kind of thing, you know, with the, the people like Roger Daltrey played a uh, theater up in Stockton uh-huh. a few years back. And it was amazing. Oh, you know, yeah. seeing, uh, you know, in a 2,000 or 1,800 seat theater, mm-hmm. you know, the front man from The Who. And some of the players in the band were the same players that played with The Who. Mm-hmm. And uh, Townsend's brother is the lead guitarist in the band. Mm-hmm. He backs mm-hmm. The Who and has been for years. So you have, this, you have this kind of feeling. And the set list, I mean, of course, there were those solo songs from the solo albums, but every song that I would have wanted to hear the who play, they did. And Daltrey, you know, some of the the same kind of thing, there was a few things where he wasn't hitting those high, high notes, Mm -hmm. but they just brought it into, you know, he professionally brought it into what works, Mm -hmm. but really it was an amazing performance. And uh, I, I was, you know, feel lucky that I was able to go to it. Yep. One thing that I've noticed that they're doing too, and I don't know if you've run into this, <laughs> if you're promoting, uh, this demographic of acts is that, you know, when I first started going to these concerts, they went from being standing room only concerts to seated concerts. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, when we get to be our age, you know, uh, you, you can't hang with standing for three hours. And when you walk oh, out, no, your ankles true. are about the size uh, of telephone poles, you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll go, okay, I'll, I'll buy a, a seat at ticket because mm-hmm. I am older. You know, I, I'm not going to be up in the front of the pit anymore. Right, right. Yeah, well, uh, I try to get the best seat I can <laughs> so that I can enjoy it and watch it. But it's like, I don't need the, yeah. the you know, the floor seats, any, you know, the floor standing room running mm-hmm. around. It's like, no, I can enjoy it watch it and listen and, and enjoy the show. Yep. Because it's like almost like at our age now, going to a concert, you feel like you worked out the next day. Oh, no, for so. sure. I mean, we did work out when we were younger. You know, I mean, yes. we were. Uh, I mean, I've put on some pounds over the years. Oh, yeah. And definitely over the, the last six months with COVID. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, I didn't have to go to a gym because I went to, you know, gigs. I went to shows. Yep, yep. You know, I was in the pit, mm-hmm. you know, so <laughs> that was my workout, you know. Yeah. And so over the years, there is that, you know, point where you start, mm-hmm. you know, you go from being in there to, okay, I'm hanging out by the bar or the back of the room watching the show mm-hmm. to, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to go see this. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is a seated arena or whatever. Mm-hmm. And part of that, you know, and part of it is just that's the demographic that, they're selling to you, like you said, and some of these acts aren't bringing in 20 somethings mm-hmm. unless it's the 20 somethings with their parents. Right. right. Uh, so there is that change, that shift. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see it. and like, 
you know, I think, oh, this is just wrong that, that we're seated, you know, and especially when you get an act and they're just rocking and you're like, you you want to stand up and you, you can't because mm-hmm. it's a seated event. Yep. That's the worst thing is when you just, they, they are so much that you, they want to, you know, you feel like you have to, you, know, you look around and the crowd is just, they want to stand up and dance yeah. or, 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 or move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing Joan Jett at the Gallo Center here in town. Mm-hmm. And at one point, just everybody stood up. Right, right. You know, the, the ushers are trying to set people down, set people, and people are standing and going, and at one point, people just stood up and they were like, you, you can't stop it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, mo- you know, definitely the, shifted to an older crowd at that, that show. Right, right. And it was like, okay, all right. I mean, you're stuck in a, a little cubicle area below the chairs, uh, but... You know, we're standing up and enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like the same way when we saw uh, Glenn Hughes toured, and um, he did a whole tour of him and a band, and he was doing like the uh, like the Glenn Hughes, David Coverdale era, Deep Purple, I guess like 70. Okay. Yeah, he, he was doing all those songs. And um, I went and saw him at a place up in Wilmington, Delaware, Um and it was a seated show. They had seats there and everything, but the thing was, it was like, it was there if, I mean, you had your t- ticket you bought your seat for, but people were standing up and sitting down, you know. Um, it worked out well because, you know, if you could stand up, and and, and the floor was sort of, um, you know, like sloped, so it wasn't a big deal if somebody was standing up in front of you because you could still see, yeah. you know. Um it's not like you were looking at somebody's backside the whole time if uh, somebody stood up or whatever. Yeah. And it, it worked out well. And, uh, you know, that that's just – it really is good to see a lot of these guys still out there doing it as long as they can. Um, oh, I, no, for sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, it is getting to that point, like you said, there's some of these guys that mm-hmm. had been on for 20 years and because, you know, hey, it's a – 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary of an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tour springs up around it. Yep. Yep. And they have new life, mm-hmm. which is great. Right. And some of them are, you know, some of them are doing bigger things than they had done in, in mm-hmm. a long time. Others are doing just out there and, and doing it, which is mm-hmm. nice as well. Yep. It's, it's definitely kind of shifts, you know, you kind of look at it and, and it's the ebb and flow of music. Mm-hmm. That's always been there. You know, uh, we've all seen those artists that you're like, Oh man, they're ready to break, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes yep. they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen seen bands play the same clubs on the way up and the way down. Right, right, right. Very true. Very true. Um, did you ever? Um, what are some of the favorite acts that you've worked with over the years? Um, well, I mean, and that's and that's the thing is not probably my favorite acts are not the ones that were the biggest acts. Right, right. Um, there's a guy, Jason Weekly, who's an accordionist, mm-hmm. but he is such a dynamic performer hmm. you know it's like every time he, he comes around that i can book him i'll book mm-hmm. him and you know it's one of those artists that it's it, i always say kind of on weights with an accordion mm-hmm. and people always goes uh but then they see him and they're like wow when he's playing again because mm-hmm. he's just so dynamic right. uh there was a band uh man planet from minneapolis mm-hmm. and these guys they're kind of Devo meets weezer Okay, right. But right. They, they, they committed themselves to their, their gimmick. Each one of the guys in the band wore a suit that was a color. So you had Jefferson White and mm-hmm. Ben Blue and Pete Green, and they wore, uh, you know, uh, Tim Crimson, so red, 
blue, mm-hmm. white, and green outfits, and they had their hair dyed or bleached out. And <laughs> they they had they had beakers mm-hmm. that they had at one point where they had Gatorade, but the color of their costumes, mm-hmm. all their instruments were that color. But they were just then then the the music was there, and that's part of it. It's like a, a good gimmick takes you to a point. But if you don't have the sound, if you don't have good music, yep. it just kind of hits the wall. You're right. I've seen bands that great gimmick mm-hmm. and just not there with the music. Yep, yep. And then I've seen, you know, so, so I mean, a, a good band, you know, we've all seen those bands that are just so good, mm-hmm. but they're never going to go anywhere because they have no look. Right, right. And right. I don't have to, I'm not saying you have to have this fleshed out, you know, image, but no look. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, you think about, uh, Guns N' Roses now, if Guns N' Roses looked like they did now 30 years ago, they wouldn't have made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. care how good they were. Yeah. They just, you know, people go, eh, a bunch of old guys, blah, blah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like they're doing what they're doing and they're the innovators of their whatever. Right, right. It I... just wouldn't have been there. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we've seen those bands that we like, dude, you're wearing jean shorts with your, you know, rush shirt tucked into your pants and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Come on, dude. What are you mowing the lawn? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, at least wear some black jeans or something and a black t-shirt. You know, get some. Give me something. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, right. Where right. I could see you four guys or five guys and go, okay, they're a band. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, That's true. Uh, one of my. You don't. You don't have to wear a suit tie or do do anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do guar. You know. You, but have a unifying kind of image. Mm-hmm. You know, look where. You know, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, you don't have to go walking around in spandex, but mm-hmm. give me something. Right. There was a guest I have on here quite a bit. He's a jazz musician who makes sure that he's always dressed what he calls professionally, you know, and he has kind of like his jazz look that he makes yes. sure that sets him apart from the entertainment when he or, or sets him apart as the entertainment when he shows up for his jobs and everything. But, um, I tell you, you know, a funny story about you know the glam look and everything. And um, I played in a hair band until '89 called Fritz's Dynamite here in the you know, Maryland area, Maryland and DC. And um, after that, we were in a band that wasn't quite as glam. It was more like the cult, kind of like a more of a gothier look. And um, we played DC, New York, Baltimore quite a bit. And it was right when LA was starting to lose its appeal. Like all the hair bands at that point yeah. were like um like the watered down hair bands. Um and then um but it was before Seattle really started. So nobody it was kind of like in those like that limbo year or so when people didn't really know what the next thing was gonna be. So we yeah. were we were um out you know, we we were at, had a show and we were at the bar and um we were kind of wearing like our, you know, darker looking stuff, you know. And, um, so this guy comes in, he's about five, I, I, he was like five foot six, but about six foot three with his hair. And, um, he had spandex on, he had a, uh, like the Seinfeld pirate puffy shirt. He had the, uh, the, nice. yeah, I don't he, want to be a pirate. Yeah. He had the, uh, the, the leather stud belt with the handcuffs in the front. And, you know, like snakeskin cowboy boots. And his girlfriend had the same outfit except for a mini skirt. And uh, so he comes over to us. And he's like, hey, dude. And did she borrow that mini skirt from him? Probably. Probably. And, uh, <laughs> and so he comes over to us. He goes, hey, dudes, are you guys liking a bond? 
and we're like, uh, yeah. And he goes, well, I've been in lots of bonds. And, you know, he tells us all these places he's played and everything. And he says, you know, I'm from L.A. And we're like, oh, really? And his girlfriend looks at him and she goes, you, you are not. Shut up. You're from Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best part was he goes, yeah, well, look at me. I should be from L.A. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> the dumbest thing. And, and, then, and then two weeks later, uh, you know, Soul Motor Finger comes out by Soundgarden and is like, okay, sorry, dude. You yeah. got to change your look. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks later, yeah, his hair is now down and he's got a goatee. You know, and uh, <laughs> wearing a flannel. Yeah, right, right. Oh, and that—that's that. One of those things where you think about it, you know, mm-hmm. that decade mark, grunge. You know, really, you know, nineteen ninety was mm-hmm. that kind of crossover, but ninety one. Yep. You know, Alice in Chains and, and Soundgarden just changed the uh, the uh, mm-hmm. face of music in America. Yep, Nirvana. Well, yeah, the Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Yep. Uh, but but you think about it right there. It was like right at the beginning of the decade. It was. Usually it was. It's, it's, you know, four or five years into it where it really starts changing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have that crossover Hey, from this point to this point, you know, kind of a arc over, you know, the, the decade doesn't start mm-hmm. and a new image and sound and everything. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the 90s, that was it. 80s was over. And New Wave was pretty much out. Mm-hmm. You know, hair metal was out. Yep. And it was like, okay, you have grunge and you have this kind of grunge funk thing going on. Yep. With, yep. you know, Billy Peppers and mm-hmm. uh, Alice, or uh, not Alice, Faye Moore and mm-hmm. Bungo Mungo and all that. You had those, those crossover, you know, mm-hmm. became alternative rock. But uh, still was that kind of, all right, it's the, you know, everyday Joe look. Yep. And then there was yeah. also a, like a movement in that time too, if you remember where um there there would be bands with like they would try to have two bass players. Do you remember bands yeah, like that? Yeah, Maybe, yeah. That might have just been around here, but there was a number of them out there. I think there was one band that actually had that called uh Ned's Atomic Dustbin, but then other yeah, people yeah, around yeah, here, yeah. and the, but then people here tried to kind of uh emulate that. Um you know, and that was the one thing, the one reason too. I think, you know, from having played around here, you know, the majority of my life, um, you know, Baltimore was never a major entertainment center. It was always New York or L.A. because that's where the people had the balls to be original. You know, Baltimore was always a monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the minute Guns and Roses came out, there was like five bands around here with guys wearing top hats. Um, oh no, no, and, that, and yeah. that's always going to be the case where yeah. something breaks, mm-hmm. and then, and that was the change. Everybody went from being, I mean, and you mm-hmm. think about it, uh, it went from I'm a hair band to I'm a grunge band, right? Exactly. I, I mean, it's not like you know, when Scott was big and the Scott started going out and swing started coming in, mm-hmm. there was a ton of sub bands that switched to swing. Yep. Yep. You know, there, there's always going to be those artists, like you said, that mm-hmm. want to, they want to break, they want to get signed, mm-hmm. they want to be rock stars. So they don't really care what they're playing mm-hmm. as long as they're playing, right, you know, right. they want that record deal. So it's, it's all right. You know, mm-hmm. like, what, what do you want us to be? Yep. And <laughs> that's it. I mean, I remember when funk was a thing and yep. there was a ton of, you know, bands that were, like I said, the Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of thing. It's like. 
they used to do at the Omni in Oakland three dollar funk nights, and they had ten bands uh-huh. all playing, and they all kind of had the same sound. Yep, yep. You know, and it was the you know note farming guitar and the the bass player who was a guitarist, but you know they needed the bass player, so it's okay. You're playing bass, mm-hmm. so they're you know they're just doing the playing too many notes. It's just like mm-hmm. okay, okay. You know, at least with the, that first batch coming into it, they have the foundation mm-hmm. of watching bands like Parliament Funkadelic and Cool yep, yep. and the Gang and Sly and the Family Stones and you know mm-hmm. those originators of funk. So they have a foundation of what they're supposed to be playing and they understand, you know, coming back to the one and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get these guys who are doing it, you know, and then they just wanted to be primus. Yep, you know, yep. They just wanted to be chili peppers. It's like, okay, but you, you, you gotta have that foundation. You gotta understand that mm-hmm. that's not where it started. Right. So you're just going to sound like a watered down version of that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. You're yep. done. I used to go to conferences um, back in those days where they would have um, the breakout sessions where you go listen to a lawyer talk about how to copyright your material and then people talking about, you know, promotion and different things. And then they would always have one where there was um, a number of A&R reps would come down from New York because this was East Coast, you know, and um, they would, you could play your demo tape and they would listen to about 30 seconds of it. And tell you what they thought. And then, um, i tell you what, though. Um, they, what they did is they put in a bunch of them. And if they started to hear that, you know, boop, with the pop, and the pop, and the pop at the beginning, they would just take the tape out and say, no, thank you. Another funk metal band. We don't need them. Yeah. You know, and, and that was even back then, you know. Um, that was, this was probably like maybe in 93. Yeah. Well, I mean, know? that was the thing. It was like yeah. crossover. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about it, Chili Peppers. Yeah. Uh, they were doing what they're, you know, they're not quite there yet, but you know, mid eighties, mm-hmm. you know, 86, 87 yep. playing, playing their thing. So it's like, they weren't, you know, they had mm-hmm. established themselves by the time it kind of broke and they got signed and were out there. Mm-hmm. Same with Primus. And then, but that became a thing, you know, faith, pretty much faith in more. They had that kind of crossover grunge slash funk thing going on. Yep. Yep. And, that broke, and then everybody wanted to be, you know, a band like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there was that rush to sign, and you know, labels. Mm-hmm. They're they're just like the bands. They want a band that has that sound. Mm-hmm. So every label wants a band that sounds like Chili Peppers. Every band wanted a, a band that sounded like Nirvana, mm-hmm. you know, or Soundgarden. Yep, and that was the thing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it was Scott's big, no doubt. So then they f- try to find a bunch of bands that, you know, and really the ones they sign are that second tier mm-hmm. because the ones that have been doing it forever aren't going to just take a, a, a record deal that's going to scroll them over. Mm-hmm. So they're getting those, that, that act that kind of is following it, right? you know, right, a lot right. of times. And I think a lot of bands know that and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's kind of, and they shift. You know, yep. uh, there was a band in Stockton that, and they were younger guys, mm-hmm. and it seems like every time there was a shift in music, they shifted. Right, right, right. And I told the the drummer who was the singer of the band, I was like, dude, if you would have kept on what you were doing when you started, mm-hmm. by the time you were ready to be signed, you probably would have gotten signed. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he was a huge Def Leppard fan, and 
you know, it's like started out kind of death levery, you know, you know, uh, melodic metal type stuff. Then it was, oh, there's a grunge in L, and then there's the, uh, you know, uh, rap metal, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of following that thing, and then pretty much a full circle where it's now more, it, it's, there's still the elements of the other stuff maybe in there, but mm-hmm. it's more, you know, heavy melodic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you would have probably gotten signed. You probably would have gotten signed mm-hmm. uh, with bands like Darkness and those kind of bands started popping up because mm-hmm. you would have been doing it for 10 years. Right, right, right. You know, you would have established yourself. You would have released a few albums that built a fan base based on that sound yeah. that they would have went, oh, wow, this <laughs> band actually has something going for them. Right, you know, right. We can push them to that next level. We don't have to create something. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. That's just kind of how it is for a lot of people. They follow the river. They don't, you know, go. they don't swim against it. They just kind of flow with it. Right, and right. Kind of do whatever is the next thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of players do that. And, uh, you know, and they'll shift from band to band, you know, you know, mm-hmm. okay. Like you said, the one guy, you know, okay, I'm doing this and then probably next and whatever it is, he's, mm-hmm. you know, I should be from LA. I should be from Seattle. <laughs> you know, I should be from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I should be from Athens, Georgia. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, create where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and that's when it was pavement or from Stockton out, out this way. I always love the fact that, you know, their, their album, the address on the back mm-hmm. was the guitarist's parents' house. Uh-huh. Always. <laughs> Even when they, you know, moved away from Stockton mm-hmm. as a band, the mail went there and then got forwarded to them. Right, right. You know, the fan mailed it. Mm-hmm. And they always claimed home. Uh, Chris Isaac, that was his thing. He was a Stockton boy. So, you know, he, I'm from Stockton. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his thing. It was like, yeah, he moved to San Francisco and made it big over there. But, you know, as an artist, he started in Stockton as, you know, he was born in Stockton. It's, you know, it's not, oh, I'm from, you know, the area. I'm from, you know, LA. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, you're from Cobina, West Cobina. You're from wherever, you know, this is where you're at. You know, you're not, you know, you know, no, you're not from New York, from New Jersey. Come on, you're you're right, from right. Long Island. Just, just admit it. You know, come on, from Springsteen. Don't lie to me. <laughs> oh yeah, but I, I could, I could fill in a lot with that right there. <laughs> and and of- that thing is, you get those guys. I'm from. It's like, no, dude, you're, you're, you're not from mm-hmm. there. You're from, you know, you're from Beaverton, Oregon. You're not from Portland. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand. Nobody knows where Beaverton is. Right, That's right. your job to change that. Mm-hmm. Become that band that is so big, they know where Beaver 10 is next. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you know. Um, yeah, it, but it just seemed like with, uh, you know, with the scene that I was on and everything, um, you know, people were just, you know, they, 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 they would rather have been imitators than people that were just starting the new thing. And um, not to say that there weren't talented people, because there were always oh, really no, very and, talented and, and you get those bands that... Sometimes surprise you. They, yeah, they yeah. follow that that groove and they'll do it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it, they hit and they just have the talent and they create something mm-hmm. more than what it was, even though they were kind of following mm-hmm. some some kind of uh, trend. Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes they they are just that talented. Right. Other right. times it's just boring and just kind of watered mm-hmm. down. Uh, clone of something that was done mm-hmm. and you know by the time you get that fifth sixth eighth clone mm-hmm. it's the idiot cousin you know it's like 
right. it's lost a lot of the spark. It really has, yeah, it really has. But um, and then as as an artist, if you're not doing what you're passionate about, what your you know influences you, mm-hmm. you you can't be have that same energy and spark as if it was the sound that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on to top it all off too, it's, um, you know, you, you've got all these things that we were just talking about here and then, you know, finding band members that can get along. Oh yeah. You know, it's just functional families. And I've yep. told every band I've worked with, mm-hmm. you do that first tour, keep it short because somebody's quitting by the time you get back. Yep. 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 I know. And it always, you know, that first, that first, you go out for two weeks, somebody's quitting. Mm-hmm. That's you know, the truth. And do, oh, no, no, no. This is like, no, just believe me. This, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to, you know, it's like having a roommate that, you know, uh, sometimes, oh, we're the best of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you can't, you know, spend a little time together, you're not going to last. Yep. yep. And, uh, oh, so many bands that, you know, they mm-hmm. go out and come back and like, you know, the next time is like, Oh, you got a new guitarist and drummer. Did you go on tour? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Well, you know, there were, um, you know, I, I can remember sometimes, you know, the band I was in, Orange Sheet Parade, um, that was in the 90s. Um, I mean, hell, we couldn't even play, we couldn't even do just like a, uh, a trip to New York or D.C. without wanting <laughs> to beat the hell out of each other. Um, you know, it was... Um, yeah, it was, you know, we'd be on the road and sometimes, um, you know, DC, if you've ever been there, is a complete mess to drive in. If you've ever driven in DC, um, I don't, or if you haven't, don't. Okay. Because I've, I've only been it once and that was in 2003. So yeah, it's a mess. I came through on the warp tour. Yep. And, um, when we went through there, you know, driving, this was when we only had roadmaps, you know, there was no, uh, yeah. GPS or anything like that. And, um, one person, you, know, you know, the one guy, you know, the drummer was following me, you know, I'd have the van with most of the gear and a couple of people, he'd have his car and we'd be getting lost. And then, you know, he couldn't stay with me. Um, and then there was a couple of times where, um, you know, we went to New York and we were all piled together. We would get a rider truck with like a, a hatch that led from the driver's compartment to the back. And we'd have a couple of couches and all these people yeah. back there. Yeah. It would be lucky nobody died from carbon monoxide poisoning or anything from being in there. But, um, oh, you know, there, there's a couple of tense moments in doing that too. And it was only going to, you know, from Baltimore up to play CBGBs, you know, and, um, you know, we, we would have our people that would come with us because, um, it, w- it was a big deal back then for one of us to be able to go up there to showcase and everything. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it times got ugly and stuff like that, you know? Oh, no, it, it definitely can. And that's, and that's, you know, it's a test of fire. You know, yeah, it's like, if you can do that and 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 make it, mm-hmm. those those who make it, and that's I think why at a certain point you do see the the, you know, these quote unquote super proof or like out of a town or an area where like, weren't you in such and such, and you got that legendary kind of, a, oh, you were in this band, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like oh, you were in L.A. Guns, and then you were in this band, and you were in that band, mm-hmm. okay, you know, and they formed because it was the guys who could get along mm-hmm. in a, in a, you know, mm-hmm. 10 by 10 area right. for hours. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even a practice space. I mean, you think about it, you know, you're, you're crammed in a small space mm-hmm. and yeah, you're enjoying yourself, but you know, it's like, 
how often is there that argument that happens because, mm-hmm. you know, somebody isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They didn't practice. Yep. Uh, they bring the annoying girlfriend that you've asked repeatedly not to be brought, you know, or whatever. Yep. It's mm-hmm. like they're getting, you know, they want to get high or drunk or something. And you're just like, no, no, we're not putting this, this, this time, effort, money into doing this. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Oh, it made, it, we're playing. Yep. Well, it, made, it made it even it's more also tense, a, too. a business. Yeah, well, it made it even more tense, too, when we had other people's money backing us, too. You know, we actually had a couple yeah. of people that were willing to put some money out. And good Lord, you know, and um, and I hate to say this, but that band broke up at our CD release party. Our CD release party was also our last show, which was a shame, you know, because if we would have stuck with it, I know we could have done something with it. But And that's the thing. That's the thing. I was like, don't. Uh, that's the other side. I mean, you asked about some of the favorites, some of the, the disappointments are seeing those bands that mm-hmm. could have made it and yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. And you knew the talent was there. You knew the the ability was there and they break up. Mm-hmm. And I just sometimes just go, oh man, come yeah. on. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're, you're a step away from making, there was a band called Anti-Domestic from out here, punk band. Mm-hmm. They're, they did a U.S. tour, went pretty well. Mm-hmm. They come back and the singer was going to, had already, you know, planned on going to Europe for mm-hmm. a couple weeks afterwards. Right. Um, he, he was coming back and it was like two days after he was supposed to be back, he had five shows, you know, that came up pretty much got booked while he was gone, but mm-hmm. booked main support with AFI. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not the opening but main support. Mm-hmm. And AFI wasn't huge yet, but they were big. Right, right. They were doing solid venues, you know, 800 capacity type things. And of course, selling them out. Right, right. They didn't play any of those shows. They ended up breaking up uh, because members of the band didn't want to practice while he was gone. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, I can't practice with you guys. I can practice singing while I'm over here. But, you know, it's like we got five gigs with him. So pretty much there was some incident and, uh, you know, the guitarist and the drummer got in a fight and the drummer quit and that was it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they did a few things later, you know, like reunion type things, but never got the momentum again. I'm like, dude. Yeah. yeah. You just did a US tour. You did a couple dates with this band on tour. They're asking you to be main support on the West Coast, which it was going to include LA and San Diego and all that. It's like, you're going to be playing in front of, you know, you're going to end up getting signed if you do this. Mm-hmm. And they broke up. I'm yeah. like, what a, a wasted opportunity. Oh, yeah. I know. I know it was, uh, believe me, I've, I've been there, done that, you know, which is why the next thing I did after that was a duo because I wasn't about yeah. to deal with a bunch of personalities, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's, a, that's the thing that just, it's heartbreaking was you, you go, Oh man, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're there. You, you just have to just, you know, put your hand out and take it. Right. Right. Oh, exactly. That's the heartbreak with doing this so long. It's not, not, you know, who made it? It's those that didn't make it, and you know they should have. Exactly. Usually, the ones that make it, it's just a toss up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 Russian roulette. It's like, you know, why did they make it over this band? They got lucky. Yep. You know, they were in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But you you see those bands that are just for what they're doing, 
you go, wow, they, they got it. There's mm-hmm. a spark. It's there. It's, and when that opportunity is presented and they squander it, it's heartbreaking. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. It just, yeah, <laughs> you were so, and it's like, you know, you're like ready to say to some of these people, like, you know, I would have killed to have been in your spot, you know? <laughs> it's in, and it sounds like you were in that spot a couple of times. So, I mean, yeah. it's sad when, when you know it's like, oh, and it's hindsight. You, you look back on it, you go, mm-hmm. oh, man. And for them, I was like, guys, you know, they had to know. They had to know that that, that was one of those opportunities that was mm-hmm. thrusted upon them and they blew it. Yep. Yep. I know. I know. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> well, life goes on. Life goes on. Yeah. You know? And um, oh yeah. And I mean, it's just it's what it is. And so is. you know, any any t- any more, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. really you know you can't you can't you know suffer for other people. Oh, you, you know, can't. When, you they can't. when they have those opportunities, are they and they blow them? You mm-hmm. just go, okay, yeah. Man, I, right. I've seen that happen before. You're not the first guy to, mm-hmm. to to throw a an opportunity, and you won't be the last one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. But I've I've been happier though lately. You know, I mean, it, it, oh, the last sure, couple of years with um with you know, with what I'm doing now. You know, I mean, I don't play music as much as I used to, uh, but I've been acting. You know, I became an actor um, about a decade ago, and um, I've had since I got signed by a management um, company. Um, I've had, you know, I, I've been happy to say, and, you know, my friends and everything have been very, very supportive of me. You know, I've had, you know, three national TV shows, um, one movie that I was in, not because of me, but it was nominated for an Emmy. And, um, I've also had a national commercial and, um, so I'm loving that right now, you know, oh, I'm very cool, that very cool. right now. that's the thing. It's like doing those things. And life, I mean, that's part of life is shifting with mm-hmm. uh, those opportunities that are presented. Yeah, uh, I, I would say, you know, the, my paying job right now is managing editor of a local monthly entertainment paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not what I ever thought I would end up doing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I I started writing a monthly column for them seven years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm just doing it as a volunteer. Just and part of it was these other people promoters in town were not doing it. They mm-hmm. had the column and they kind of just reflect. And I was asked if I could fill in on a few things. I wrote it. And I'm like, how, how is somebody giving up an opportunity who's a promoter mm-hmm. to have a monthly column in a magazine that prints 52,000 copies, mm. yeah. you know, yeah. and is distributed out. I'm like, okay, give it to me. I'll take it. Right. And just over the years, I've worked, you know, kind of, work my way to the, the top of it. And part of it is being willing to do things. And when things were needed, I was there. And events that the guy who publishes, you know, is involved in, mm-hmm. you know, most of them need some kind of entertainment or uh, promotion of it. And I've been there to help. Oh, and so it just kind of worked at that point. And a few years back, I was like, hey, you know, it's just kind of like, hey, yeah, we're just doing I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I, it was everything we're talking and I'd applied for a position at the Tracy Grand Theater mm-hmm. as the uh, box office manager. Right, right, right. And it was, it's a state funded, the, you know, theater, you know, and ridiculous pay. It was some like $68,000 a year plus insurance, mm-hmm. four days on, you know, a mm-hmm. week, you know, it was like, or it was like, 
four days and five days. So every other Friday, mm-hmm. the box office was closed for some reason. Right, right. And I'm just like, really? This is just stupid money for the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I applied. I didn't need it, but mm-hmm. I applied. I you know, went through an interview process, and you know, I pretty much shocked him. Like, I, I figured they got somebody in mind. There's a nepotism going on, but mm-hmm. just in case, I'm going to do it because I'm stupid not to. You know, right, it's right. a twenty-minute drive. I, I don't have to move, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, there's also was the Calpers, the you know state uh, uh, benefit package, and all that. I'm like, if I get this, I'm set for life. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it that I was going to do an interview because I was asked if I could do something. Oh, I got an interview. I was like, what? Oh, it's wanting to talk to you about, and like. Well, I can definitely, I'm not going to not do what I, you know, help out, but because I can, I can do both because this is just a ridiculously, you know, stupid position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if I get that, you know, I'm taking it and I didn't get it. So, you know, a few weeks later I was offered the position mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, definitely. Let me, let me do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, once again, <laughs> having the opportunity to work with the entertainment paper monthly mm-hmm. and do promotion. You know, it's like, I have a platform. Right. And like I said, the people who are had done stuff and walked away, I'm like, why? It's not taking, you know, a, a monthly column is 400 words, you know, mm-hmm. at average. If you can't write 400 words about what's going on and what you're doing, something's wrong. You know, you don't not have time to do that. Right. And I, right. oh, yeah, I just don't have time to, you know, keep up. Really? Hmm. <laughs> you you don't have to. I, I do that, you know, on the toilet. I'm sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I do more because I research stuff and I'm not just doing, you know, the columns I'm writing, I'm not just writing about. But when I did it, when it was just, hey, I'm writing about the local entertainment and the shows I'm doing and other people are doing. Okay, look, blah, blah, blah. here's some shows. Here's these bands that are. All right, boom. Here's a little column. You know, six hundred words. Bam. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's like, dude, most people have to pay for that. Right, right. Uh, I used to love the you know the magazines around here. We had a couple uh, here you know that covered the uh, music scene back in those days, and you know one of them just came back. It was called Rocks R O X magazine, and they would cover. Um, Pretty much the Mid-Atlantic region, you know, New York, D.C., Baltimore, um, Delaware, PA, Philly, uh, you know, that region. And uh, they just came back as an ele- in electronically, not paper. And then there was... Yeah, also- I mean, and, that, and that's the thing is this one's still printed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mailed out to like 42,000 homes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, come on, people. Right. No brainer. Uh, you know, it's it's coming to people's houses. They don't even have to go and pick it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, there's a bunch of copies that are distributed all over town, right? Uh, and the county, but it's like forty two thousand homes are getting this mm-hmm. in their mailboxes. Yeah. How do you not, you know, want to be a part of that? You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like if you if if you had somebody that friend on the radio who could plug your shows. Mm-hmm. Of course you go, or if you hey, you want to be the late nights, uh, Sunday night DJ and you can play whatever you want and you can plug your shows, you take it. You know, it's like, of course you want that gig. (laughs) Absolutely. 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of radio, I do two radio shows now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a community radio station that started up uh, about a year ago. Last mm-hmm. October, I did an interview with them, and once again, and said, hey, if you need somebody, I'm I did DJ in college, I'd love to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing a locals-only show. Oh. And... So that's been fun. And then I love ska music. Sure, and yeah, yeah. So, so I later pitched doing a ska show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Monday nights a week, it, you know, it's, it's the same program, but Monday nights at five, it's on KCBP 95.5 FM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it re-airs the, the Friday nights at nine, Saturday at six. Mm-hmm. And the ska show is nine o'clock on Tuesday and 11 o'clock on Saturday. Oh. And then of course it streams KCBP uh, radio.org. But I'm like, come on. And I same thing. It's like getting people sometimes to send stuff to me. It's like, send me your music. As long as there's no cursing in it and you're from the area code, I'll play it. Yeah. Yeah. And I get people, Oh yeah, well maybe. I'm like, maybe, you know, this, this is, and it's not, I mean, it has a pretty good range. It goes, Mm -hmm about a 60 mile radius mm-hmm. and I'm like really maybe you know no fun. I mean I, I know it's not you know the big power station and there's no money behind the station but still right. you let people know and just the the fact when you hear something you've performed mm-hmm. especially coming from that little speaker in your car or your home stereo mm-hmm. not listen to on your computer Mm-hmm. There's a difference that it's picked up on the airwaves. You know, it's like there is a feeling that you get because of that. Oh, there is, there is. Uh, and I, I tell people, and when I do play, I'm like, look, especially like some of the younger kids mm-hmm. who don't won't you know don't have that. They're you know youth bands, but they recorded a few songs. Mm-hmm. Like, just get in the car and, and drive and listen to. It. I mm-hmm. go, it's a different experience. It is, it is. You know, they can get on their on their computer and listen to whatever they want, mm-hmm. but for them, and don't even tell them. You know, it's like a don't even tell them just get in there and, and turn the radio station on mm-hmm. you're going to hear a bunch of stuff they don't think is cool and then when they hear their own music just be ready for that squeal oh yeah oh yeah and it happens and I said what do you mean it's like no I go it's, it's a different experience mm-hmm. you play it on the on the computer or whatever they're going to go oh cool but if it's coming from that radio yep you know coming from the speaker in there mm-hmm. Nothing beats that, right. and you know, for that show, the the, the local show, I delve back to like nineteen thirty eight. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll do the gambit. And it's it's very eclectic. It's like I will play a gospel song, and then a funk song, then a metal song, then a mm-hmm. new wave song. I don't care as as long as they are like I said from the area code, and uh, you know, I got to keep it clean. Right, exactly, exactly. But it, and, it's just a so that, and it's kind of neat just doing that. I've done a couple special shows. You know, mm-hmm. I did one where, uh, you know, for June because it's graffiti in summer here in Modesto. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I did songs from the '60s. You mm-hmm. know, so the songs that, you know, from bands that might have been playing the sock hops and different things that mm-hmm. George Lucas and the Pharaohs and whatnot would have been listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Briners and different bands. So it was like. Uh, Crystal uh, Siphon, and I'm playing these bands, and you know, it took a bit to to track some of these songs down, but I did, and I put a show together, and it was really kind of cool, uh, 
to do that. And, you know, I actually got like, somebody from Italy hit me up about the band Crystal Science. And I didn't, had never heard of them before. I played a song on the radio and I, of course, mm-hmm. tagged it. Uh, they have like a Facebook page with a small following because mm-hmm. they're probably new to, you know, they, you know, this a band that's probably, they're probably in their 80s, you know, late 70s, 80s, because, mm-hmm. you know, early 60s. And somebody from Italy is doing a story, like a, a book or something on it. Because I think a couple of guys went on into other bands. Uh-huh. And I got hit up and I'm like, I don't really know. I go, mm-hmm. I found the, the music online, tracked it down, and because they were from the area. I right. up, and I told them, oh, that's kind of a cool concept. I, go, I just did a, a theme show because that just made sense to me. You know, it's like, Hey, I want to do a cruising show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just did for my Scottish show. I did a, at least one band from every state in the union. And okay. I did a four part series, skanking around the nation. Mm-hmm. And unlike, uh, I didn't even think about it until I decided to do it. I went the order that the band of uh, these states entered the union. So the first thir- the first show was the first thirteen colonies and DC, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then I went from there. And after that, first, you know, really by the time you get to the third one, you're popping around. Oh yeah, you know, because uh, you you know you're getting states. You know, the third episode you had California, Oregon, uh, but then you also have like uh, I think Illinois or certain ones where they're you know becoming states. You know, mm-hmm. I I didn't know Maine wasn't part of the first thirteen colonies. I assumed <laughs> it was no. Yeah. It was in the next set. Uh, so you start getting these things and you know, I kind of learned part of the, the, the states and just where they come in. I was like, oh, wow. And they yeah. like, you get this, you know, nice little jaunt. Okay, hey, we've got Texas and California. Boom, boom, boom. And then, oh, wait, now Nevada's coming in and Colorado and, you know, mm-hmm. Wyoming. But uh, that was fun. Yeah. And yeah. I so I, I try to theme, that show I try to theme out a lot more because mm-hmm. I can uh, the local show was just kind of trying to do a little bit of history of, of the music from the area mm-hmm. and mix it up. Right. That's so, fun. You know, you'll hear, like I said, kind of song will go on and then a hard rock song and then maybe a classic, you know, rock song. Mm-hmm. And it's all good. And, it's, you know, the music is, most of it is pretty well, you know, pretty well recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially the older stuff. I mean, you think about it. Nowadays, people can record on their phone, yeah. and it can sound okay. It's still going to be it's going to be tanny and low low five, or you know, the fidelity may not be there. But mid nineties, you know, actually two thousand back, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You went into a studio. You did if you put something out, you know, and so you put a little effort and a little money into it. It's not just doing it at home. St- home studio on your on your computer or whatever mm-hmm. and somebody thinking they know what they're doing you oh, yeah. paid somebody a little bit of money and recorded something decent mm-hmm. you sure did you sure did um it's amazing as you were kind of alluding to before how people just you know it, it's like getting it's like pulling teeth to try to get people to do things that are in their best interest um when it comes to sending you material that you can help them promote or um I mean, there's there's been so many people in this area, because um, I started my podcast out as something that kind of salutes the history of enter- arts and entertainment in this area. 
you know, the mid-Atlantic area. Started with Baltimore yeah. and D.C. And um, yeah, I started off, you know, not only doing bands and actors and everything, I also started getting, like, people who hosted kids' shows before. Oh, uh, very cool. You know, people who hosted kids' shows, people who uh, had been on the news and radio forever in this area, um, who, or who may be retired, but everybody knew who they were. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you get opportunities to, um, and I was reaching out to artists and saying, look, you know, um, you know, you were a big band in this area in the eighties or in the seventies, people still play your music on the stations and people still know who you are and you still do reunion shows. Why don't you come on for an interview? Eh, um, I don't know. Uh, why don't you send me some songs and we'll just talk about the songs. Eh, I don't know. I'm not much of a public speaker. And I'm like, you get up on stage and perform in front of people. What do you mean? Right. Right, and then, yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 then you get some people that when you try to deal with them or they get any kind of opportunity, um, and um, you know, I uh, I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, I've had some real opportunities with my podcast lately, and I've seen some people just uh, get the same opportunities and just behave unprofessionally or ungratefully, and absolutely blow oh, no, for that. Sure. You know, for and, sure. Um, uh, you know, and it's Fortunate, we both, you know, you know, we've got hooked up through uh, Steve Joyner. Yeah, and great guy. What a mensch! Um, what a mensch! His, 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 his. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Don't talk smack about him. He's a good guy. I said he's a mensch. Uh, I, I don't know what that means, you know, but uh, uh, I'm a very, assuming it's, it's what it's a negative comment. No, I know what it means. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, great guy, great guy, and you know his his biggest. Fault is his heart. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. he, he really, you know, he wants to help people out. Yeah. And when things, you know, he, when he, you know, is not respected, not shown uh, common courtesy, yeah. it really hurts him. Yeah. You know, yeah. he takes it to heart. And that's a sad thing because it is a business where people, yeah. you know, a lot of people are just trying to claw their way up. Oh, they do. They and do. they don't, once, once they go to the next level, uh, who? Who are you? Right, right, uh, right. I, I, you know, and it's sad. It's like, well, can you give me somebody bigger? I mean, yeah, you got me that. It's like, mm -hmm. take what you can get. Yeah. Develop what you got. Right. The more you do this, the more people you, you, you work with, mm -hmm. you're going to get those. Like I said, you know, 30 years in the business, at a certain point, I was being offered stuff. Right, you know, I didn't right. have to track it down. It was like, hey, mm -hmm. you know, you're the guy in the area. Can we come to you? Can you do this for us? Can you help us out? Uh, you know, and some of the shows were ones that I didn't expect that I would ever do, mm -hmm. but they knew who I was and something would fall through. And like, we just need something, you know, right. and we know you, you're, if you're going to take it, you're going to do a good job and we mm -hmm. can trust you not to screw us over. Oh, yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. And so there was those kind of, it's like, you know, I could do a handshake deal, you know, a door mm -hmm. deal. And, and they were comfortable with it because they knew that I wasn't going to, you know, take advantage of them. Right. I had, you know, I remember one band I did at the end of the night, it was a door deal. I'm paying them out. Mm -hmm. And they literally were like, well, what's our percentage of that? Like, no, 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 that's, that's your take. You know, mm -hmm. can you see the crowd out there? Like, well, I know that's yours. That's more than we've ever made in like three or four shows. I, mean, dude, I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. we had 500 people here tonight. I didn't expect it either. It was like a Wednesday night, you know, and it just people came out. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
you know, now that's, that's it. I could have easily went, oh, yes, 70% of this much. And, you know, no, it was like, that's yours. What was really great about it was the band was like, okay, well, you know, the opening acts, you know, we did that. And I was like, well, I know they need to work hard to get people out here because we don't have this kind of draw. Right. And right. I go, well, you know, this was like, well, can you give them a, uh, an extra hundred each? Mm-hmm. You know, and they gave me money back. Yep. Their, their booking agent was upset when I gave them the rundown of what happened. Like, well, what is, like, hey, I didn't take it. I gave them, this is what I gave them. Mm-hmm. And they decided they wanted to give a little extra to the main support and to the opening acts. Mm-hmm. I go, I think it was genuine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he was like, well, 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 you know, he was looking at his percentage. I thought, you can be a jerk and tell him that you want your 10% of, you know, the the money I gave them, not what they gave away, mm-hmm. you know, or you can just take the ten percent of what they kept and be cool with it. Yep, you know, still <laughs> even what they kept in their pocket was more than mm-hmm. you probably would have expected. Right, right, right. You know, I, I had an experience like that. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a club in Washington D.C. called the Nine Thirty Club. They're a pretty well known club. I have, I yeah. have heard of it. Yes. Yeah, um, and. We we got booked there in Orange Seed, and we were used to, um, you know, CBGB's in New York treated us well as far as money, because they knew we were coming a long way, and we actually got paid pretty well for doing a set of originals up there. Um, But, you know, a lot of times in Baltimore, those club owners would cry poverty all the time. And, oh, yeah. You yeah. know, um, uh, the, the place is packed. Oh, here's 25 bucks. You guys are breaking the bank around here, you know? And, um so we got booked at the 930 Club, uh, playing with a pretty good, you know, a, a pretty well-known band. We got it at the last minute because somebody had to cancel. Uh, so we get down there, and um, it, I felt like they rolled out the red carpet for us. Um, it was like, we get down there, you know, we pull in the van. Uh, hey, can we help you bring your stuff in? You all right? You good? You know, then we get, then we get to a dressing room, and it was clean. It didn't have a toilet that was, you know, four different colors on the inside and stopped up, you know, and we had, um, it, it was clean, it was washed, you know, cleaned and everything. And then we had, uh, tubs of beer, you know, we had a tub of, um, Foster's oil cans on ice and we wow. had, um, another tub of water and juice and then, like a little, uh, you know, like cheese and crackers uh, snacks I, tray. Are, are we in the wrong dressing room? Is this the headliners room? Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Who are these people?" And I like them. Let's stick with these guys. Yeah, but the band broke up before we could play there again. But I mean, uh-huh. and then we got, and we got for playing a set of originals. It was like one hundred and fifty or two hundred bucks, which compared to what we were making, you know, in this scene and everything, was just like, my God. We're in the money, you know. No, no. I mean, that, and that's the thing is, unfortunately, uh, it's you either make you, you're not making anything really. Yes. You know, definitely not what you should make as an artist. Right. Or you 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 get to that point where there's that, and then there's that little middle round where you're you're making a little bit, and you think it's amazing. Like I said, two hundred bucks, like wow, yeah, two hundred dollars and mm-hmm. some beer and some food. Oh, this is the, we, we're like I said. You're in the money. Yep. And then it goes to that, okay, now you're making real money. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the amount of bands that you know, even are making that couple hundred bucks when you got a four or five piece band, mm-hmm. you know, gas, everything else. Okay, if you took a stipend, you're mm-hmm. making maybe 10, 20 bucks yep. after yep. everything is spent. Mm-hmm. 
And you're like, oh, wow, we are making it. Mm-hmm. It's like, not really. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least they, you know, the, the, they showed you, you know, courtesy. Hey, a dressing yeah. room, you know, some beer and food, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They didn't just go, okay, all right, get on stage, get out of here. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they were and, they, they were absolutely wonderful. It was just amazing, you know. Um, and it's unfortunate that that's a rarity a lot of times in mm-hmm. the business. I mean, I have I have known there was a, a promoter here in town, Larry Cox, mm-hmm. who was notorious. And this is I was here, I left, I came back, and I had to really fight to get people to want to come to play Modesto again because he burned so many bridges, and the name just Modesto was had a bad connotation because mm-hmm. he was doing real well. He'd call the cops on the show. <laughs> if the show wasn't doing well at all, he'd call it. You, you really wanted to play an okay show for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was just okay, you know, the show happened. Mm-hmm. But if he was losing money, mm. you know, he'd call the cops. Cops come out, break it up, and he'd tell the, the fans, sorry guys, I can't, I can't pay you, you know, uh, refund it, but i got to still take care of the band. And then he'd give a sob story to the band, give him some weed or whatever. I wish I could do more. I'll, I'll get you back. We'll t- I'll do you right next time. But you know, I had to refund the money. You know, and I'm I'm out the money for the venue. Blah 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. sob story. Yeah, right. If it was making a lot of money, mm-hmm. the the you know he'd get that you know oh get greedy, call the cops, and then just pocket it all because you know mm-hmm. tell the bands he had to refund things and do the same story. Like I said, if it was an okay show, hey, right. it's half capacity or something. Mm-hmm. You know, he could pay the bands out. You know, uh, he's not making a lot, but there's not a lot to do it. So it's just kind of like, okay, you know, I, I've covered the cost. I've put a couple hundred, you know, bucks in the end of the headliner. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a little bit of money. I'm not out anything. That was a show that didn't get canceled. Right, right. Not the, the band should be getting paid well, mm-hmm. and everybody should go away happy at night. I mean, I understand the 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 bumps in the road every Every show can't be a winner. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care where it is. I've seen, you know, seen festivals. I've seen bands that you think should, it should be a, a the best show in the world. And just something happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, every band has had a, a bad night, mm-hmm. regardless of where they are in their career. Right. Oh, yeah. That, that always happens. And, and it's exponentially worse when the promoter takes advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's a ton of promoters out there that do that. I mean, the whole pay-to-play thing, I think, is the worst. You know, it that was the worst thing ever to uh, be part of, quote-unquote, promotion because it really became a thing where you had a bunch of bands who weren't very good mm-hmm. playing shows with bands that were you know, touring acts because they could, you know, hey, I got a rich dad. You know, yep. so I can buy all the tickets and play the main support. Yep, yeah, that 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 would go on around here too. I know what yeah. you mean by and that. And always have, and you're going, okay, that band, and you would see it. Mm-hmm. We're okay. People were there because they're waiting to see the headliner, mm-hmm. but it never transferred to that next gig for that band. Because mm-hmm. yeah. when they play the next gig where they didn't have to sell tickets, mm-hmm. no ticket, and a lot of times they, there wasn't extra people there. It's just they bought fifty tickets or a hundred tickets or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so that there was just less people in the bar. Yep. <laughs> it's like, dude, put a good bill together where all the bands are solid, mm-hmm. where people walk away and go, wow, who the 
Uh-huh. Frick was that opening band. Man, <laughs> they blew the headliner off the stage. They were so freaking good. Uh-huh. And that band ends up coming up. Yep. Not that opening band who doesn't have a bunch of friends or rich parents uh-huh. opens, but nobody's there because, you know, you know, they're, or they don't get that opportunity because they didn't sell the tickets. Uh-huh. And I was like, really? Come on. Yep. You know? <laughs> All right, you know, and and that was the worst. I've, you know, that and the we're putting together a six band touring package of mm-hmm. bands that nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. you probably avoided that, but as a booker, I get these packages like five, six bands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, not who are these other bands? It's like, okay, they're on your roster, or somebody else in your trading off, but nobody knows who they are. Nobody cares. You know, mm-hmm. they're not adding anything to it. And I can't add locals to one, build that scene and mm-hmm. two, bring extra people out because they're, you know, bringing their friends and fan base to the show. Mm-hmm. You just gave me four or five bands that nobody knows. Right. I don't even care how good they are. Mm-hmm. They, they just aren't selling tickets. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're not selling tickets or, you know, they're not bringing people in because just nobody knows who they are. Right. And that became such a practice for a while. Mm-hmm. And part of it was, I, I had promoters, you know, our booking agents tell, well, you know, if you put two or three bands on and make them sell tickets, mm-hmm. I was like, well, why don't I just put a show on where I put five local bands on, I give them all a hundred tickets and tell them they can keep half the money. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many tickets you sell. At the end of it, you give me the tickets back. You give me a hundred tickets back. It's a hundred tickets. Mm-hmm. If you give me fifty tickets back, give me, you know, money for fifty tickets, mm-hmm. or actually for twenty-five tickets, because the other money's yours. And do a show that way. Now I got a packed house, and these local bands are making some money. Right, right, right. Well, but but you know this band. I'm like, if that band can't bring anybody in, why am I paying a big guarantee and making? local bands pay for it. Uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, do the math, you know, and I do do that. Somebody like, well, we need $800 on a Monday night. <laughs> okay, well, uh, what's the band's draw? Well, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it's a secondary market. You know, they've never played it before. Maybe 20 people. Uh-huh. Okay, 20 people. And how much money do you think they can, you know, I can charge for a show with them and some locals? Uh, you know, $18. Okay. So let's say, let's round it up to 10 and you're saying 20 people, uh, you know, is what you're thinking. So that's $200 and you want 800. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't make sense. No offense, but mm-hmm. they probably won't be bring 20 people in at $10 and I'm going to have, you know, be out of pocket or make these kids sell tickets and I'm not going to make somebody sell tickets just to play. Right, right, right. To open up for a band that's not drawing anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. And then there's, there's always too, you know, the big debate and you know, that, that goes on around here a lot too. Um, you know, whose responsibility is it to get people into the club? You know, should the club owners be the ones that are drawing people in? I would say should... it, it's, it's once again, it's, it's a yeah. group effort. It is. The promoter it's, it's both. needs to get out and, and spread the word. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a good club, I mean, the club is just a broom. I mean, right. it, it can be a VFW hall. It can be, mm-hmm. you know, a laundromat. You know, it doesn't matter as long as, you know, there's four walls on a ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. and electricity. 
Yep. Uh, a stage is nice, but doesn't have to have a stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the the local bands, mm-hmm. you know, they should have, you know, promote it and do their part to bring their friends and fans out. Yep. Yep. The headlining band should have enough draw to at least cover their guarantee. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then the promoter, it's the promoter's job to put it all together and get the word out mm-hmm. above and beyond because at the end of the day, you know, they're the one, you know, usually ponying up the money, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, and they want to, you know, I, you know, if I'm doing it, I'm putting the money, I want to make that money back. Right. You know, I've right. never mm-hmm. done, you know, rock shows and stuff like that as a job, you know, mm-hmm. where I have to make money off of this or I'm destitute. Yeah. So at the end of the night, you know, if, if it was, you know, sometimes they're like, dude, just take the door, you know, mm-hmm. 100%. But we had a, you know, 50-50 deal. I'm like, dude, you know, it was, it was a good night and, you know, the the venue made money on the bar and they're not worried about their percentage. You know, the, the local access need to give the, their portion to you guys because you're touring mm-hmm. and I really don't need the money and you guys were great. So, you know, you know, Tomorrow night probably won't be as good, you know, so just take and go. Right, right. And, you know, there was, I mean, when I had a venue, I had to cover the cost of it and, you know, make sure that was taken care of. But in the end of the day, too, mm-hmm. you know, at, you be honest with the bands and make the deal with them and pay them out at the end of the night and mm-hmm. just make it work. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Well, I tell you, you know, you've, you've really given a lot of good information here tonight, and it's been really interesting to talk to you and everything and to kind of reminisce. We've had a lot of similar experiences in life and everything. But now, I'm going to ask you a question since you, you say you're in the D.C. area. Uh, Baltimore. Do you know Stephen Jackson? That name sounds familiar. Um, Lead singer of the Pie Tasters. I've heard of that band, but I don't okay. know them. Yeah. Yeah, they've been around for for decades out yeah. there. So uh, I thought maybe maybe know who he was. If not, at least know of him. Right, right, right. Yeah, don't I, I don't know him. I've heard the name before, but I just don't know them personally. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's you know Scott's old band. Mm-hmm. So different different genre, different uh, you know uh, crowds that they would be playing to, mm-hmm. but they've been playing since like I said around the nineties as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, late late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure you probably saw the band name on flyers here and there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. Cool, it, cool. it does. It does ring a bell and everything. But uh, but great. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight, uh, Mita. Um, you know, I know you've got a couple of things you'd like to plug your radio shows again, and your know, your websites and everything else. Uh, go right ahead and do that right now. Be as shameless as you want to be. All right. For uh, the con, it's Graffiti Con. It's Graffiti Con 209, mm-hmm. and that's on all the different social media formats. So at Graffiti Con 209. Uh, I have the radio shows on KCBP. That's mm-hmm. KCBPradio.org, uh, or if you're in the Midwest area, 95.5 FM on the dial. Uh, I have Beat Happy Music, which is my label and promotion company. I'm actually putting out two. Uh, hand cut lathe seven inches mm-hmm. here in October and gonna start doing artisan style vinyl. Uh, super limited. The art on the covers will be either hand stamped or hand drawn by the artists themselves or so the musicians. Kind of changing that that playbook as we talked about, you know, doing mm-hmm. something different. Uh, so that's something that we're doing just 
small runs, mm-hmm. but giving something special. You know, the a band called The Flowers is I'm doing one of them with them. The singer is doing the art for the covers, mm-hmm. each one individually, and handwriting out the lyrics. Oh, so you're getting something, and then hand numbered. You know, so uh, it, it's limited to twenty five, the twenty bucks each, but you get something special. And you know, once again, any of these things at some point, you know, could be worth quite a lot. I mean, once again, as we talk about these different bands over the years, Blue Oyster Cult, you had something that, you know, those guys drew and, you know, on the cover and all that and was limited even, you know, to a hundred, you know, what's that worth now, you know? So that's what we're giving back, you know, kind of creating something special so that the fans know that it, it you know, what it is and getting something individual, something unique, uh, because that's where we are at this time. You, you know, you can't press a thousand CDs and sell them when you don't have shows. Yep. It's hard enough to, to sell a thousand CDs or records or whatever when you have shows. <laughs> uh, you definitely are going to do it unless you're a megastar mm-hmm. <laughs> in this day and age. So, in the script, make mm-hmm. something different and unique. So I have those. Uh, of course, you know, if you want to read my articles, ModestoView.com. And, uh, you know, those are the main things right now. Mm-hmm. Well, great, great. Well, again, you know, thank you so much for being with us on Foul Players Radio. And um, we also want to thank Steve Joyner again, uh, who's a mensch, which oh. is not a dirty word. <laughs> that dirty mensch. Yeah, you dirty mensch, you. You Steve, you mensch. Yes, um, yeah, he's a great guy, and I've, I'm grateful to, you know, He's helped me, you know, move my uh, podcast along and uh, bring me great guests like you. I mean, again, you know, hearing these things, you know, straight from somebody's mouth who does this um, is really valuable, I think, for a lot of people to get this perspective, you know, because I do have a lot of artists, you know, I do have a lot of people that are uh, not just listening for the entertainment value, but also for the information and the, you know, I guess you could say educational reasons or just to kind of learn. Infocational. Infocational. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely fun doing some of these podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's not something you know. For for me, it's it's enjoyable and you mm-hmm. know talking to people and kind of getting different aspects around the the nation. I haven't done a ton of them, but mm-hmm. the ones I have done have all been enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, and I know Steve. You know, Steve. For people, a lot of it is the mm-hmm. the actors or the the stuntmen or the different people he knows mm-hmm. that are much better known. Right. And right. You know, that's definitely interesting, hearing some of these uh, different talented people and mm-hmm. stories. Yep. yep. But, I, you know, for me, like I said, you know, part of it is sometimes hearing, the, like you said, the stories of the guys behind the scene. Exactly. Working exactly, yeah. in the business uh, are as interesting or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't get that aspect. You know, every talk show has the stars on it. You know, mm-hmm. uh the musicians on it. Mm-hmm. Not all of them have the journeymen, the the the, the craftsmen mm-hmm. talking about what it takes to make that happen. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, th- there's a lot of interesting things that I've come up with you know, from people, you know, like kind of uh, behind the scenes or semi behind the scenes, or uh, you know, musicians and other people I've had on. You, know, I've recently had Bruce Valanche on, and I was talking oh, to cool. him about all the uh, awards shows that he's written. And it always seems like there's always like this big thing where 
you know, you got to tell the jokes, then you got to get the person up on the stage. They got to do their speech, and that's pressed for time. And you know, how do you put together this hours long thing, but make sure you're meeting the time and the jokes and everything fit in and all that stuff. And I'm just, you know, he he was talking about that and everything, and I was really fascinated to hear that. Um, you know, as well as hearing, you know, Larry Hankin was another guest I've had and having him oh, talk, cool. yeah. talk about, um, Oh no, no, definitely. I mean, like you said, as far as the, uh, an event show like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I help with the Ministry of Music Awards. Oh, is that right? And, you know, it's usually a three hour event. It's, you know, our Grammy, our Emmys, you know, it's mm-hmm. all local musicians, but there is that time frame that you kind of work in and you have band, you know, we have lot of performances for the different categories. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like a festival. You have to have a stage manager up there mm-hmm. and a crew to make sure people get on and off. Yep. And we are working with musicians. They're mm-hmm. feral cats. So, you know, you need somebody who's like, okay, we have this award coming up. You know, where's where's the presenter? Or, mm-hmm. okay, we got to make sure that these people who are nominated are in the room. Yep. So when it gets presented, you know, it's not, okay, um... The winner is Mitta Goodwin. Where is he? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I was always in the room, and when I did win, which was <laughs> often, um, well, you know, yearly, uh, I always sat in the balcony. <laughs> and I did it as as a performance piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I won for either venues or promoter mm-hmm. uh, and five years running. And it was really... The, you know, setting up in the, the balcony, mm-hmm. and people go, well, and, and they, well, do you not think you're going to? I like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure. And, I, and people are like, well, that, I'm like, no, I just know <laughs> what I do and, you know, what I've done. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to win. And it's much more dramatic to do the long walk if I'm up front, whatever, right. you know. But, mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, every time it's like, We're, oh, I'm here, I'm, you know, I was just up in the balcony. I, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, I didn't expect it. You know, and I, <laughs> I told this kid who was in a band, I was like, look, I'm just going to let you know, I've won five of these mm-hmm. every time I sat in the balcony. And he goes, well, <laughs> I go, I, I'm just saying, what the kid ended up winning. Mm. You know, here's the band one. You know, he was the, the drummer of this punk band, and they won, and he says, you were right, sitting in the balcony is the way to go. I go, it's just more fun when you do that. And he goes, because then everybody sees you walking up. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, right up front, you walk across the front row and up on stage. You know, the crowd's looking back. Where are they? Oh, there they are. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "No, that was kind of neat." You know, and I was like, "Yeah." You know, it's part of the part of the night. You know, yep. of course, it does take you know much longer to walk mm-hmm. from one side of the theater to the other right. when you do that. But <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, and that then of course it's okay. Get up here take your award and get the hell off the stage. Uh, <laughs> when I, before I was part of it, now I'm looking, I'm like, oh yeah, I was being a jerk doing that. But, uh, you know, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right, right. No, it's not my event. Exactly. <laughs> well, Nobody but, told me you were on a schedule. Exactly. I know, I know, I know. And then they're all panicking and freaking out. Like, uh, you know, he's going to win. Did we just just saw him go to the next guy? Yeah. You know? <laughs> While we're waiting for Mitta to come down from the balcony, we're going to read the next award, and we'll uh, as soon yeah. as Mitta gets down here, we'll hand it to him. You know, <laughs> if he gets up here before the the next act, then we're good to go. Well, let's yeah. just get that band plan, and when afterwards, you can get it. Right? Um, yeah, we'll give it to him right, afterwards. Yeah. yeah. At least I'm in the room. <laughs> you, get it. Like, you go out front, they're smoking. Uh, 
they just announced you won. What? <laughs> and then they run up there and get up there and like, come on, fool. Yeah, you come running out of the back pulling your pants up because you were in the john or something. And... Right, right. I mean, if you really have to go, you really have to go. I'm, you know, I, I can understand that. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're just, you know, out front smoking or drinking, right. you know, it's like, dude, there's a schedule of when these awards are happening. You know when your, your award is being mm-hmm. given, so it should be in there a few minutes before that. Right, right. Or you hear... Uh, you hear your name announced, then you hear the Archie Bunker toilet flushing before you come walking yeah. up or something. <laughs> oh my! Well, again, thank you again so much for being with us here. We appreciate um, you know, your time. We appreciate your knowledge and your stories and everything. Um, well, thank you. So, thank you, Mitta. We appreciate it, and thank you all for listening. You've been hearing, you've been listening to Mitta Goodwin on Foul Players Radio, and thank you again, Steve Joyner. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>